Alicia Mackay, thanks so much for joining me on the Leading Through Challenge show. What did we just talk about? Well, it's hard to pin it down, Chris, because we want to chat. But I would say that what we talked about was the excitement of shifting out of crazy day-to-day, survivy, high-energy, reactive mode, and what it takes to start to shift into A, something more sustainable, so looking at the systems that we need to have as our default so that even when we're shit, everything else isn't shit. But then starting to ask some bigger, braver questions about whether we're just trying to migrate our normal into a new spot or whether we actually don't want normal. Maybe we want to ask some more transformative questions of ourselves and our lives. Alicia Mackay, welcome to Leading Through Challenge. Thanks so much for, much for joining me. Thanks for having me. How's it going, Chris? It's going pretty well, actually. It's a, it's a lovely, well, it's a chilly Wellington morning here, um, but it's, it's quite nice. I've been, been up for what, or about four hours so, or so at the moment. Um, oh, Jesus. Our wee guy likes to wake up early at the, at the minute, um, so it's, it's nice to get out when no one else is about and take the dog for a walk and put on all our, all our winter woolies. That is nice. You don't, you don't want to be having too much contact with people, not at the moment. Nah, no, 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 <laughs> not, not at all. Eh? Um, who is Alicia Mackay in a nutshell? Oh, that's a great question. Who is Alicia Mackay? Oh, look, I'm just a bit of a nutcase, really. And, um, and I often tell people that I just talk shit for a living, um, which is kind of true, but kind of isn't. Like, uh, so I'm in Wellington like you are, and um, I kind of live these split lives, where which have been... Uh, kind of brought together <laughs> quite rapidly over the last few weeks. But uh, so I've got three three kids and um, I spend a lot of my time with them and hanging out with them. Uh, and on a work capacity, um, I hang out mostly with government and I do a lot of strategy work. So because I have my kids half the time and they're with their dad half the time, I kind of have these two parallel streams of life running usually, which is when the kids aren't here, I'm getting on planes and running workshops and writing books and speaking from stage and being that person. And then when my kids are here, I'm just like, got my trackies on, making a cup of tea, running around, breaking up fights. And then now I'm trying to do things like break up a fight while I'm having a podcast interview at the same time, because those two metal, those two balls have been muddled like this. <laughs> so, uh, but no, look, what, what I'm all about is I really like helping people to get this shit together and to do a better job. And what that means through the lens that I do it through is being really strategic about the way that we make decisions and the way that we spend money and the way that we use our time and energy to actually do really good shit for other people. Mm. And I, I really love it. Like I'm a, I feel like a little bit of a cliche, but I genuinely love the work that I do and working with people who just really care and just want to do a better job so good yeah that that's rad and i think like everyone would love to just talk shit for a living and uh and obviously you've you've got to the point where where you can um (laughs) what like what why why do you love doing that like what gives you a kick about it i mean the glib answer is that it's nice to just be able to walk in and do the talking and that be the job Mm. and leave again and not have to do all that you know so my background is uh policy and also um, investment planning and business case development with the public sector. So my work used to be 
doing a lot of that workshopping stuff around decision making and framing investment and working out options. And then I had to go and sit at the computer for three weeks and, and write the business case and, yeah. and do all the models. And so it's nice to shortcut that bit. Um, but I think the real answer is there that most of that um, real innovation or breakthrough when it comes to the way that we think and the way that we make decisions and the way that we lead others happens through personal connection. And I'm always wary when someone comes to me and they want me to write a new strategy or we just we just need a, a framework for this. We need a prioritization framework. We need a performance management framework. We need a new policy. We need a new strategy because that's the kind of stuff that, look, anyone could sit down, have a bit of a Google and write something for you. Um, and you can have a nice poster for the wall and you can have a very plausible document. But that's not actually how leading others and creating change works. Leading Sounds. others and creating change requires connection and um, thinking differently and buying in and having others buy in. Yeah, and it, like doing it, doing it the other way just sounds super dry as well. Oh, yeah, it's no fun. And so yeah. fun is one of our brand values around here. If it's not fun, we don't want to do it. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, you, you talked to... Uh, at the moment as well about kind of what's what's happening in New Zealand. We're on all on lockdown. Things are kind of things are, are happening that have never happened here before. Oh, dude, and they're mental. <laughs> it's it's a little bit crazy. And I mean, this is all about how do we get better at leading through challenge. And this is a massive challenge for us. Um, and I know that you love you love strategy as well. And I, I'm pretty sure it was Mike Tyson that said this, that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and I really like that. I've heard there's the old no plan survives first contact with the enemy, but everyone yeah. has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah, I'm pretty, eight times better as a quote. That I'm pretty great. sure it was Tyson. Um, but yeah. like, obviously we've, we've kind of been punched in the face at the moment and there's a lot of reaction that's going on yeah. right now. Yeah, totally. How do we, like, why is reaction dangerous to a situation like this, first of all? You know, it's an interesting one because at first it isn't. It's really important. Mm. So being reactive, you know, there's that old cliche about being reactive or being proactive. And um, and being reactive kind of gets a bad name. And I think, first of all, there are a lot of situations where it's really important to be reactive. First of all, you're active, so that's useful. You're not sitting on your hands you're not decrying, you know, the sky's not falling, you're doing what you need to do, right? Um, and in situations where everything is changing minute by minute and hour by hour, your ability to fire into reactive mode, get the adrenaline moving and just make good decisions is actually really important. So if you've been spending the last few weeks being reactive, like good for you, don't beat yourself up, that is great. And there are times in every day and every week when we have to do that. The problem with the reactive mode, which is where it's very like high energy, super focused, super adrenaline, crisis type stuff, is that it's not sustainable. Mm. So it works for a little while, but it requires us to be the best version of ourselves for it to work. And unfortunately, that's not how adrenaline and emergency response works. And if we're not careful and we don't have a soft landing from this like go, go, go mode, um, I've been kind of saying we go from hero to zero, like quite quick. Um, but the more the more nuanced version of that is that what happens when we can't get up and be awesome 
And that means relying on motivation and willpower and energy, which any of us who have ever trained for a run or tried to change the way we eat or tried to develop new habits knows that those things are in a finite supply. <laughs> they do run out. When they run out, we default to our systems and the way that we work. And that's fine if our systems are set up in a way that enable us to be really intentional and plan well and make good choices. Uh, but that's less helpful when they don't. And what makes, what makes what's happening at the moment quite unique, because I often kind of turn my nose up a bit at the blah, blah, change, change, disruption type stuff. But I go, disruption, everything's changing. The world is impossible. What will we do? And it's like, oh, right on, mate. Like, for hundreds of years, this has been just how things are. Like, everybody goes, everything's different now. Modernity is impossible. The sky is falling. No one's going to have a job. We're not going to know what to do. Uh, I mean, we've been saying this for the last one or 200 years. And the fact is that if you're a senior leader, particularly in government, I mean, this is BAU for you. Changes, managing big change economically, socially, politically, that's just your job. Uh, but what makes our current situation different is that it is unprecedented. So it is what... Nicholas Taylor would call a black swan event. It's a surprise. It's unprecedented. And most of the systems that we've set up, even if we've done a really good job about making sure that we've got things running smoothly for the way we plan, the way we communicate, the way we work together, they're not going to suit the new environment very well. Mm. And that's kind of mean because it's like even if you've done a really good job in the past of being really strategic about the way that your defaults are set up, probably not going to cut it anymore. <laughs> so everybody's facing change. So what I've been working with leadership teams on the last couple of weeks as we've been firing out of that high adrenaline superhero mode is, all right, are we set up so that even when we are crap, things run well? Mm. Um, and... It might, yeah, it's not, might not be the answer you're expecting because I think what people want to hear is now we just have to be more proactive and be better. And it's like, you know what? We can't be better a lot of the time. So let's create an environment where even if we're not on par, things still work. Yeah, and it's, it's like a lot of James Clear's work as well is that you, you fall back to the level of your habits and the level oh, of your yeah. systems. That's one of my favourite quotes. You don't, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Yeah. And I've, like, I've been noticing that as well with, with my stuff is uh, like I was, I think you're kind of always working on your systems and what yeah. you've got going on and trying to refine them. And we're like, Oh, this isn't really working for me again. How do I, how do I make this better? And I was like, I was kind of feeling, yeah, I'm starting to get these systems humming. They're going along reasonably well. And then obviously this has happened and everything's changed and I'm still trying to do, a lot of the same stuff that I was doing, but it's, it is in, in a new yeah. environment. So those systems just don't really work for me anymore. I think it's an interesting one because you point on actually the stuff has to change all the time. Like yesterday's adaptations are today's routines, right? Mm. So all the stuff that we, the way that we operate, the way that we plan our day and the way that we have our meetings and the work that we do and the way that we work with our clients, we've come to that point because that was what we needed at the time. Yeah. So nothing that we've done is wrong. It's just that it's really difficult to understand which parts of those now need to change when everything around us is changing like every day and every week. And I think what I'm finding really interesting is that 
as a personal journey with my own business when we started thinking about how we would transition our systems online. And there's some really obvious stuff there, like, okay, well, we do strategy workshops and we do leadership coaching, so now we're going to have to do that via Zoom and we're going to have to run shorter sessions and we'll just do the same stuff, but we have to use a different platform, right? So the initial level of kind of how do my systems need to change is all about, okay, well, I'll take the stuff that's working at the moment and put that in a new place. And then there's this kind of tipping point that I'm watching everybody else come to, and I've certainly come to myself, which is the bigger question. So you start with the tweaks, you know, oh, we'll have our weekly stand up online and um, we'll issue all of our rates and voices via email and we don't do any in the post anymore. And, you know, there's that kind of normal stuff, different place. And then you start to go, should we even be doing this? What are we trying to achieve here? Do we need to be running our, like, is this the work I should be doing? What am I trying to achieve in the first place? Do I want to be running big, long strategy processes? Or am I adding more value by um, scaling and leveraging and running training en masse for a whole lot of people? Is the opportunity that comes with online delivery less about doing the same thing in a different place and more about doing something else entirely? And those are the bigger questions where we start to shift from the tweaky, changey stuff into the transformation stuff. And I think I've been really reluctant uh, to move too quickly into talking about the opportunities presented at the moment because I think there's a bit of that out there of people going it's a great opportunity and everyone who's stuck at home with their screaming kids or lost their job or can't pay their mortgage is like yeah mate righto like piss off <laughs> we don't need that right now but I think if you follow that kind of four-week grief cycle that everyone's talking about at the moment when you get into that week four a bit you are starting to go oh I'm having some green shoots like I'm starting to see some bigger stuff here and maybe I don't want to not just do the same stuff differently, but maybe when things go back to normal, whatever that means, I don't want to go back to the same stuff. Maybe there's something new and something different and what would that be? And what is the opportunity that's presented by having an environment that's a bit more permissive or a bit more forgiving where we could try some new stuff? And I think that's the exciting part at mm. the moment about shifting out of reactive. It's not just getting your systems right, it's going, what are we trying to systemize in the first place? Yeah, yeah. And like, I think it's, it, the world is going to look hopefully different to, to what it did beforehand. I think there's, I mean, you, you made the com, com, uh, comment about opportunity before, but I think it's, it is a, a cool, hopefully turning point in, uh, in society where we, do have the opportunity to do things differently. And I mean, you've thrown a couple of questions out there already about hey, what should we be asking to try and figure out how to do it. But are there any other big one, big questions that you usually ask leaders to help sort of kind of get those, those neural connections going about these are the things that I, I want to be thinking about? Yeah. So it's, I mean, there's that basic stuff. If you think about, uh, Simon Sinek in his golden circle it's like what is the difference that you want to make in the world what do you care about how can you make the best contribution which is all that find your why type mm. stuff um, and that is really helpful and it's particularly helpful when you channel it through a feasibility lens that's like what are you great at and what does the world need and how can you match those how can you match those things up 
Um, but then I think there's a personal element in it as well, where it's like, what are you, what kind of life do you want to live? And I think that's the question that we're facing um, personally, and I think we're facing it in our organisations, and I think we're facing it more broadly as a community all of a sudden, where we're going, what if we do get everything back on track and we get the cafes back up and running and all the brands can sell to us again and we can live our beautiful hedonistic treatment of capitalism and everything will be fine? Then we're going, oh, is that the kind of life we want to live? Like before lockdown, I was working 80 or 90 hours a week. I was traveling three days a week. Um, I'd stripped my practice model so that I, I was the talent and I do all of the this and everything else is handled by everybody else. And all the friction has disappeared and all of the back-end stuff is handled by somebody else and somebody cleans my house and, you know, everything's stripped away so that I can just do this. And it took me about two and a half weeks to go, oh, I don't want to go back to that. I like cleaning my kitchen and mucking around with my kids and not being on a plane three or four days a week. And, ah, oh, the kind of life I want to live is different. And we've had a real opportunity inside our teams to figure out that the kind of life we want to live might be different and that's part of that what do we migrate systems wise and what do we change transformation wise which is sure you can work 40 hours a week in front of a computer um, and you can talk about work-life balance but continue to value your time in increments of minutes rather than the value that you create or we could actually think a little bit differently about what we consider work and value and output and realize that sometimes we do more in 10 minutes than we do in two days and what's that about and are we actually looking for the value that we create rather than trying to get people to clock a timesheet? And so that was a really long and indirect answer to what are some of the questions that we should be asking. But kind of leads into how do we develop that more radical thinking? And there's so many good tools you could use there, which is like, what is the worst possible idea? What is the worst thing we could possibly do? And everybody generates the what would be the worst possible option. And you go from there. That, that's a good one. Because that both identifies things that you definitely shouldn't do and also triggers things where you go, actually, that'd be all right. Or you go um, radical thought experiments like, what if we had to deliver exactly the same stuff in half the time? For me, I've been going, what if I could only deliver with my clients six hours a week? How would I run a practice on six hours a week? Mm. Or we go, what if I had half as much money and I had to do everything, but I had to do it with half as much money? What would I do then? Or you can do the opposite. What if we were 10 times as big? What if we could reach 100 times as many people? How would we do that? And so it's kind of this interplay between the strategic and the practical where you just start running these thought experiments that's like, what if I only did the thing that I cared about the most? Or what if we turn the whole operating model upside down and we started doing this instead of this? And there's kind of no shortcut there. Like the process of ideation and idea generation and testing and decision-making, that transformational bit, there's kind of no form you can just fill in and get to the bottom and get the answer. Like that one requires having a conversation, having an argument, asking somebody else, sleeping on it, having another brainstorm in the morning. If I can show you my lounge, my dining room rather, it's just covered all the time yeah. with just walls and walls of post-it notes because every time there's a new spark, it's got to go on the relevant piece of flip chart. So we're going, the, the one I just showed you, there's an epic online experiences one there that goes, 
what if an epic online experience bears no resemblance to an epic in-person experience? What would the elements of that be? And so there's all these post-it notes up there about psychological safety and social leadership where people are running their own bits and we're just going, what would it look like if it was totally different? Um, so long answer, but ask tricky questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I, I think that's a great answer though. Like there's, there's so much in that and then you, you're right. It is, it's asking those questions, it's ideating and then it's going and doing the stuff and testing it out and looking and back at it out. afterwards. And often like the, actual direction that you end up in is somewhere in the middle of all of the answers to those questions that you've just oh, generated. Sometimes it's right where you started. Yeah. Sometimes your first one is your best one. And that, that is always hilarious. Uh, so I'm writing my second book at the moment. I'm in the final, final stretch. And I went to this amazing workshop, uh, wasn't it a week ago about, um, book naming, right? Yep. You can go to a workshop on book naming. And I spent the day, coming up with all of these new and genius ways to name the book. And by the next day I'd gone, no, I still like the original one better. And I've just put a whole day into stretching in all these different directions of all these different ways that we could capture the key message. And then at the end went, nah, I still like the first one, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and at least you shouldn't have too much regret. Are you like, you won't publish it and then think, Oh, what if I called it that? Because you've already no, been through that process. <laughs> no, because no, I think that's part of it. And I think part of when we think, talk about being intentional or being proactive or being strategic, there's an, there's an assumption in there that we find the right answer. And there's kind of no such thing. So if you're dealing with anything that counts, if you're making meaningful decisions because you are running a business or you're serving a community or you're making policy, you will always be wrong in some way. And even if it feels totally right, mm. you will quickly discover as soon as you implement or as soon as you communicate that you were wrong in some way. And that's not a sign of failure. It's just part of it. Because when we're dealing with challenges that are complex, there is no such thing as a right answer. There's just your best go and then another go. So if you're not wrong every day, you're not honest or you're playing it too safe. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Alicia, what should leaders be doing right now? Looking after themselves and then stepping into that really uncomfortable green shoot transformation zone where they go, what if I wasn't just trying to get back to normal? What if we were doing something totally different? And that's, and that's all, like that's all you should do for your first step. So mm. the, the sessions I've been running with teams this week, the natural inclination when you've started to have a conversation like that is to try and land on something and then, and then do something. No, one step at a time. Like we are so full at the moment. Like you've got a two-year-old that wants to scream at 5.30 in the morning. I've got two kids fighting with Lego behind me. We are so full. We've got this much bandwidth left. And as soon as we try and stretch it too far, we crash. So one step at a time. This week, just be kind and ask the big question, but don't do anything about it. And next week you can do something different. Just, just chill. Just slow down. She says to herself. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try and take that advice on board myself. Just, uh, just chill. <laughs> You're all <yeah>. good. <laughs> Alicia Mackay, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. There you have it, everyone. A great conversation with Alicia Mackay there. Uh, first of all, 
look after yourself and second of all start asking yourself some bigger questions um i've got to go away and start asking some big questions or keep asking myself some big questions um, and then actually i think the hard part is going to be not doing anything about it to start with is just asking and seeing what comes up now this is a great conversation and i think it'll be really valuable to get in front of as many people as possible so make sure that you share it with someone that you think might benefit from it um, but also another way that we can help these combos get in front of everybody is to make them more visible. So a great way to do that is hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or on YouTube uh, and leave a rating and review as well. Um, It just creates a bit more visibility for everyone concerned. Thanks so much for joining us today. 